0: Hello, everyone. On this week's episode with Living with Blank, I have Becky here to talk about her experience living with bipolar. So, hello, how are you?
1: Hello, good today, thank you.
0: So, let's just start from the beginning. So, pretty much just tell us like when you were either first diagnosed or when you first kind of were aware that you might have bipolar or...
1: Okay, well like bipolar disorder often manifests in late teens early 20s it's just kind of the way bipolar disorder works of course you can't have it when you're younger it can start later in life but that's typically about the time when it kind of starts to um express itself um i now that i'm an adult and i know what anxiety feels like i realize i had a very anxious childhood i And then I um, can also not look back and realize that the first time I was depressed was in third grade, and I just couldn't bear the idea of going to school. And I actually pretended to be sick for, like, almost the entire school year. I just laid in bed and read books, and um, they at one point, they made me go to the children's hospital in Chicago because nobody could figure out what was wrong with me because there was nothing wrong with me. Yeah. So looking back, I think that was probably my first depression. And then in middle school, uh, was very turbulent for me. And I had, um, you know, lots of depressions. And now that I know what mania is, my first manias were in high school. Um, that's when I took my first psychiatric medication was in high school and it was for anxiety. I was having panic attacks. And now I know when I would stay up for three days in a row, just painting all night, I know now like, Oh yeah, you were manic then, you know, and I would ditch school. I lived in a Chicago suburb and I would ride the train into Chicago and I would just hear this beautiful music and, you know, all these things. And it was like these moments where everything felt like it was aligned in the stars and like everything was how it was supposed to be. And I started calling those clear notes, but I never thought of them as being anything as in there was something uh, like strange about those experiences. I just thought that they were really wonderful. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I, you know, I also was very upset a lot. I, you know, I cried every day. I remember when I found out that people didn't cry every day, I was like, what are you talking about? Like, you don't cry every day. Like, it's not normal to cry every day. And they're like, no, that's not normal. So so I still didn't know anything about bipolar disorder at this point. And when I was, I guess, 20, I had moved to Los Angeles from Northwest Indiana. And I had probably the worst depression of my life that I had thus far. I've had worse since then. But so I started going to a psychiatrist and, um, you know, he just thought I was depressed and a, a big problem with bipolar disorder, it, not getting diagnosed is your doctor has to ask you the right questions because you don't go to the doctor and say, Hey, I feel really great. You go yeah. and you say, you know, like I can't get out of bed or I can't this, or I can't, I feel terrible. So I never brought up the times that I felt really great. And he never asked me if I felt really great. And I had an extremely stubborn depression, and bipolar depressions by nature are more stubborn. And then he started asking me, um, You know, have you been spending a lot of money lately? You know, have you been making bad choices lately? You know, all these kinds of reckless things you do when you're manic. And then he came to this decision of, You know what? I think you have bipolar disorder. I think that's what's going on. Um, Then I moved from Los Angeles to Indiana and I had a whole bunch of terrible doctors and, um, then I moved to Maryland where I live now and I have a, an amazing doctor that I've been with for the summer. will be 15 years. Um, and he has helped me navigate this bipolar world and, um, he's a little mad scientist with medications. And, um, so that's just, the basic timeline of. Uh So I first got diagnosed when I was 22. Now I'm 41. And it, you know, began somewhere in my late teens, probably. That was a very long winded answer to your very simple question. Yes, no,
0: but it's a good (laughs) answer. So you've been with your current doctor now for 15 years. And I know you mentioned that you've gone through a lot of medication.
1: Yes, just last or a couple weeks ago, two weeks ago maybe, I tried my thirtieth uh, medication.
0: That's a, a milestone.
1: <laughs> it's a milestone. I was like, oh wow, and even thirty because it was twenty nine for years, and uh-huh. then finally, he's like, hey, do you want to try Capleta or Capolita, however you pronounce it? And he's like, it's been out for a couple of months. I'm like, sure, let's go for it. Um, Zyprexa is a medication that I've taken for fifteen years, and um, I should be thankful that I found something that works well for me and I am thankful uh-huh. uh, for that, but it has horrible side effects. And so we're always trying to replace it with something else that I won't have those terrible side effects for. Um, but I try something new. I go crazy. I go back on it and fine. Try something new. I go crazy. So the capillata was the, the, le- the latest experiment and let's get rid of the Zyprexa. Uh huh.
0: So how, like, does, how, how did you go through so many different medications? Is it like those first like 10 or 15 kind of, they just weren't working as well, or they had certain side effects or, because I mean, it must be a lot to go through 30 different medications to get (laughs) to where you are.
1: It is a lot. I, um, I'm a person, I quit a lot of things. It's not something that i'm proud of but if Uh something is very important to me i have extreme perseverance and feeling good and enjoying the world is extremely important to me and that's why i was able to persevere through so many medications um why so many well i take multiple medications at a time what's interesting Uh is The synergy of medications together is different than a medication on its own. Okay. And also the same medication can work differently for the same person at different times. So um, a lot of those 30 medications, I have tried multiple times. So it's not just 30 Uh different things, but who knows how many times we've switched something. Um, But my doctor and I, it's just, we're always trying to make it better. You know, uh-huh. um, we're trying to make it, we, the way that like the language we use is that my emotions should fit the situation. So you're still going to be mad and angry and excited and happy and sad, but you should be sad or angry or happy to the, to the degree that is appropriate for the situation in which you are in, mm-hmm.
0: um,
1: and then, yeah, side effects is a lot of the reasons why I would stop a particular medication. Um, it's so, so frustrating to me when people don't take a medicine because they're worried about the side effects because yeah. you might not get any of them. And even if you do, many side effects go away with time. And some side effects I can't live with, like upset stomach. That's my, that's my thing. If it upsets my stomach, I'm not doing it. And that's what the capillator did for me. Right? Uh-huh. Right. Um
0: yeah, I mean they're so tough names. We had the same thing with <laughs> alopecia. They, they, I've tried so many different drugs and
1: yeah,
0: I can't even remember some of the ones I've been on.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So let's go back to kind of just like when you got diagnosed, and yeah. you said that they weren't asking the right questions. Yeah, is this a would you say this is like a common issue where there's not really a good way to diagnose someone unless they ask the right questions? Like they kind of yeah. have to get the combination of. The good and the bad i guess
1: yes it's it's very important and it's crucial to diagnosis because without that other part you're not bipolar you're you're depressed so um the questions you know and if you're a person if you're the person that has bipolar disorder and you don't know much about bipolar disorder, which I didn't know anything about it. So I, I didn't know like, Oh, Hey, wait a minute. This isn't, this isn't right. This kind of seems like bipolar disorder, you know? Uh So if you're not a person that just has some general knowledge about psychiatric illnesses, there's no way you are going to know you're bipolar. Somebody is going to need to tell you and that person, or you can, needs to ask, do you ever have a lot of energy? Are you ever completely euphoric? Are you ever, you know, making really risky decisions? Are you ever putting yourself in, you know, danger's way? Are you ever driving recklessly? Are, are you, um, you know, doing any of those things? Do you ever feel so good that you think you can fly? You know, like, do you ever, you uh. know, I mean, you know, just like any of these things and on the other side a lot of people don't know about mixed episodes so we have the depression and we have the mania and then a mixed episode is the worst Uh it is all of the energy and anxiety and it's, it's all the energy and spinning and zooming of a mania, but it's all of the bad feelings of a depression. So you're depressed and you're anxious and you're angry and you're furious and you hate things and you want to break stuff. And it's very unpleasant. And I personally at this point in my life right now, get many more mixed episodes than manic episodes. Um, the reason bipolar people are typically so bad about taking medication is because they don't want to give up those manias. And I did have one last week and they are quite pleasant. And it's hard because you, you have to say like, gosh, Oh my gosh, I feel so great. This is amazing. Now let me take a pill to make it go away. Uh And That's really hard. And you just have to be really responsible and you have to shut it down. If you don't shut down a mania, who knows what, miserable situation you get yourself in but then the higher you go the lower you go you oh there's no such thing as a mania without a depression that follows yeah you let yourself zoom to the moon you're in trouble
0: so like how long do these mania episodes last can they can they can range in time
1: yes they're different for different people so I um like I remember learning in school and just in psychology class that people could have like this state go on for like weeks or months or like years um i am an ultra rapid cycling bipolar 1 disorder person so my moods can i can be depressed manic mixed all in 3 hours you know like my uh-huh. I, I cycle very rapidly um a mania because i've become a responsible bipolar patient if I feel myself getting manic or of course, if I'm depressed, it's so easy to call your doctor when you're depressed. But if I feel that I'm going that way, I call my doctor. I take some extra pills, shut it down. Yeah. So, but I I did still do my bad manic habit, which was get a tattoo.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Can you talk about that? I saw the tattoo and some of the quotes that you had about, you said how first you could show the tattoo for the people watching and talking okay. kind of just how you said you you stop and then you keep going i kind of like that Yeah. so this phrase. is a
1: semi it's a semicolon
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the heart is the the period on the top if you can see yes and um so the the concept behind the semicolon is that it's it's a pause it's not an end. A period is the end of the sentence. The semicolon is a choice to stop. No, wait, yes. Wait, did I say that right? It's a I choice. Did, yeah, I think. Yes, yeah. yes. okay. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a minute. What's going yeah. what So you have the choice to stop, but you choose to keep going. So instead of putting a period there, you're putting a semicolon. You're saying my story isn't over yet. And it's a promise to yourself that you won't end your story and that, you know, you won't kill yourself. Um, So, you know, it's not the worst tattoo I've gotten. (laughs) I think it's very lovely and I've wanted to do it for a long time.
0: Yeah, when I read your post about it, I really liked kind of everything you said with it. And yeah, it definitely, yeah, I was definitely kind of, it definitely... Put some emotions into me when i was reading it
1: <laughs> oh i'm happy to hear that yeah
0: so kind of the manic episode seems to me kind of just like something that people don't really know much about sure and okay yeah. would you
1: like me to tell you about my most manic afternoon
0: yeah that would be <laughs> very interesting to hear
1: okay So this is before I was even diagnosed as being bipolar. I was not on medication, unmedicated manias. There's something
0: else.
1: Uh So um, my grandmother had given me some money and she always kind of had this like weird, like little control thing with money. And I just decided, you know, I cannot have this money anymore. This is bad money. This is bad blood. I got to get rid of this. So I was living in LA at the time and I had two thousand dollars left in like my life i had two thousand dollars left i'm like no i gotta get rid of this so i went to santa monica uh to the park where all the homeless people slept Mm -hmm. and i gave away all of my money wow then on the way home i decided that i should go to a psychic So I go to this psychic and she tells me that I have a black aura for love. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. What are we going to do about this? I can't be going around with a black aura for love. (laughs) And so she tells me that for $2,000, she can clear my black aura for love. I'm like, oh, this, you know, this sounds very reasonable. So she says that she's going to get a candle That's my exact height and weight, which scientifically doesn't even make sense. But at the time, I'm like, yeah, yeah. yeah." And then she will go to the top of a mountain where she won't eat or sleep. And she will meditate. And when this candle is all the way burned down, my aura will be cleared. And I was like, this makes sense. And I'm like, oh, but wait, I just gave away my last $2,000. Like, I, I don't know what to do. Like, this is very important. I gave away $2,000. I literally have $0. And she says, oh, no, you can go to the bank. You can get a cash advance on your credit card. I'm like, okay, great idea. Then I got home. I was supposed to be attending UCLA in the fall. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to live here anymore. So I broke my lease. I called. Uh, I told UCLA wasn't coming. I uh, quit my job. And then I called Bill's moving company and paid them $2,000 to um, pack my stuff and uh, move it to Indiana. And um, so that was my $6,000 afternoon. Um, Wow. Once I spent my entire rent on African violets. I don't even like African violets. Um, Oh, I bought um, a $1,000 teacup
0: yeah
1: (laughs) it's just the problem with a main oh and and um you also what nobody likes to talk about it because you know you're not really proud of proud of it or anything but um wait what is the term can't think hypersexual maybe it's yeah hyper there's a special term but anyways you just turn into a slut (laughs)
0: Uh uh-huh
1: and it's just like, so then you're, is it hypersensitive? I can't think what it is that they call it, but the point is you're very reckless. Yeah. And I mean, you sleep with people you don't know, people you don't like, people who are married, people who are, I mean, but it's like, and it's, there's all these things you do because there is no sense of consequences. So yeah. there are consequences, but it's very, being manic is such a weird state because there are no consequences.
0: Yeah. Would you say it's like very tunnel vision? Like, are yes. you just like very just focus on that exact thing and you don't think about anything else?
1: No, your mind is thinking about everything. Okay. One way my psychiatrist and I kind of keep tabs on my mood is, are you having too many thoughts? Interesting. Because it's like, all this stuff is going and it's fast and often I count in my head one two three four five six seven eight nine ten one hundred and I'll be like oh my gosh the counting is starting and it's not counting that I do on purpose it's just this like um like super speed thoughts uh-huh. but at the same time I get very fixated on something yeah so it's not really a tunnel vision that would be like concentration. Uh Uh-huh. It's more like a fixation or an obsession. Okay. While all this other stuff is going on.
0: So we talked about like the manic episodes and kind of just like the high and kind of like how good they are when you're in that moment. But can you talk about just like some of the consequences of these manic experiences?
1: Yes. So the aftermath of these experiences... Is really hard and it's not just hard for you it's hard for the people who love you because you've acted in ways you've behaved in ways you've done things um that weren't fair or that were I don't want to say mean but thoughtless because you're not when you're in that state you're not thinking about those things those things don't exist and it it's so hard to try to explain to somebody that there were no consequences. Like, unless you felt that, it's hard, you know, and and so you get in these situations where you want to apologize for someone, to someone for something that you did, for example. and And it was, sure, it was you, but it was manic you. And manic you is you, but it's not you. You do and say things you normally would never do. And so trying to apologize and trying to show that it's not an excuse for what I did, but it's an explanation of why I did it. And mm-hmm. that can be really hard.
0: Yeah. Would you say like coming down from these consequences, would this intensify intensify kind of the lows and the negatives? Like, does this just kind of how you say like the highs, You'll come back to a low, is
1: yeah, um, yeah, that's a great way to say it when you have this depression after a mania, um, I mean, yeah, you get to dwell on all the things that you did, and when you're in a depressed state for anybody who's ever felt depressed before, you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, You know, everything you have negative glasses on, everything you Mm -hmm. see is negative and you are very good at being self-critical and being mean to yourself. And you're very good at, you know, dwelling on things that you wish you would have done differently or said differently. Or, um, you know, another thing that's hard for somebody to understand about these depressions is how you how sometimes you can't do something and for me (laughs) for so long the dishwasher has like defined my life sometimes I just like I can't unload the dishwasher I just can't do it and I lay on the kitchen floor and I cry because I cannot unload the dishwasher and it's not that I don't want to I have a desire for the dishwasher to be emptied Mm mm-hmm It's just like, I can't do it. It's too hard. It's too much work. It feels impossible. It feels absolutely impossible to open that door and put a dish in the cupboard. And, you know, and trying to explain that to someone, it's like, well, just unload the dishwasher. Like, what's so difficult about unloading the dishwasher? It takes like five minutes. It's not hard. You take the plate, you put it in the cupboard. Like, what's going on? It's getting in these states that are completely paralyzing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard for people who love you or live with you that one minute you are, you know, in this very friendly, happy, I mean, a manic girl, I'm a lot of fun, you know, like, and then now suddenly you cry on the kitchen floor and you can't get dressed. Like, you know, it's not just hard for me. It's hard for other people too.
0: Yeah. I know you're married and you have two kids how is being bi- bi- like? Is having bipolar an issue with this? Is are the kids aware? I don't know if they're young, too young for this, but
1: yeah. Well, for a long time, um, when my bipolar wasn't managed very well, when we're still, you know, trying to work everything out. Um For a long time, I was afraid to have kids because I was afraid that they would be bipolar, and I thought yeah. like, it was such a hard life like how could i and and you know, like I'm responsible. I go to the doctor and I take my medicine, and sometimes I'm still like you know off the rails and what if what if they won't take their medicine And then what if they kill themselves and then you know all these things, and how could I knowingly give somebody this life that can be so hard, yeah and you know, and I felt that way for a very long time. And my psychiatrist had said to me, well, you know, nobody ever wants anything bad to happen to their children, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be a parent. if yeah. you want to be a parent. And if you want to be a parent, you should be a parent. And if, you know, one of your children does have bipolar disorder, think how wonderful it will be for you to be their mother.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: Um, Now, my kids are only three and one, so um, Uh I've been having a really hard time lately. I was very well-controlled for a long time, rarely had any episodes, and when I did, they weren't very, they were pretty mild, and they didn't last for very long, Um, but then they had a whole bunch of stuff happen in the summer that just kind of really messed with my biology. I had four surgeries on my knee, and then I had septic arthritis, and I was on IV antibiotics for six weeks, and then I got Lyme disease, and then like- Just like some of the, you know, what my psychiatrist tries to tell me is you do not have mental problems. You have a biology problem and it is the biology in your brain. It is not you, it is your biology. And so antibiotics and infections and, you know, bacteria and all that stuff, you know, plays havoc on your body. And so I've just been a mess um, ever since the summer. And I hadn't cried on the kitchen floor for a really long time. That used to be like, like my go-to place to cry. (laughs) (laughs) I could write a book on all the best places to cry, but I don't know what it is about the kitchen floor, but my, my children. And, and then I remember once I watched this documentary about children whose parents were bipolar and then I was, oh my God. And it was just like, they didn't know, like, am I going to have the happy mom today who plays with me? Or am I going to have sad mom who cries in her bedroom? I was like, oh, my God, I don't want to be this kind of mother. I don't want to I don't want to be like, which mom do I have today? Like, that's heartbreaking. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, But then, you know, like I said, I was stable for many, many, many years. And so I kind of didn't even really think about it anymore. But, you know, I my three year old, um, I was crying on the kitchen floor, (laughs) floor the other day. And he just played around me like it didn't even affect him. And because I, you know, I was like, I never wanted to cry in front of my kids. I never wanted to. My psychiatrist says, well, that no crying in front of your children is a good thing. And it's important for kids to know that sometimes you're not happy and kids that don't aren't experiences, their parents having, you know, emotions that aren't positive positive all the time is how they get empathy and how they get compassion. And when they're older and they feel sad or they feel angry or they feel betrayed, or they know that there's not something wrong with them, that they grow up Uh knowing that sometimes we feel bad. We don't always feel good. Um, I think though, because he's three soon, he will wonder why am I crying, crying, um, you know, my one-year-old, she certainly doesn't know anything. She just crawls all over me and the floor and plays and laughs and, you know, does her little one-year-old thing. But but it is a concern of mine. Like, you know, I don't want to be that sad mom. I mean, of course, sometimes I'm going to be a sad mom, like every mom, but you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: So it was a hard decision to have a family.
0: Yeah, I'm sure it definitely must have been tough to
1: yeah, and I'm forty one. I had my son when I was thirty-seven. So um took me a long time to to get to a place where I thought, like, no, you know what, this is something that I want to do, and I'm not gonna not do it because I'm afraid.
0: Uh-huh. Do you think that like from when you first got diagnosed to now and then just say to in like 20 years from now, do you think that like bipolar has I would I don't know if I want to say like it's gone better or more aware. Kind of like, it's just like, would it be easier to be bipolar in today's age compared to the past? And then do you see in the future, do you think?
1: Mm. Oh, that's a really neat thing to think about. Um, I think being bipolar now is definitely easier than the past because there's not quite as much stigma around it um, in the sense that. You know, oh, gosh, how do I, where do I start? Um, yeah. I mean, in the, you know, they would just send you to a psychiatric facility and you would just like live there. Uh-huh. You know like you would just be like a crazy person and i use the word crazy all the time to describe bipolar and myself and not in a stigmatizing way but it's an endearing way because that's what it feels like to me it's like it's you're crazy happy you're crazy sad you're crazy angry like yeah. it's just this you know and i call my medication my crazy pills like very endearingly um but in this particular sense that was stigmatized um people didn't understand mental illness People tried to hide mental illness. You know, it definitely was a different world where today, you know, people are more open about it. Um, it's a little bit, it, it's, you know, somewhat more understood. Maybe you don't understand specific, the details of specific mental illnesses, but the idea of having a mental illness isn't necessarily where somebody's going to think you're crazy. It's uh-huh. like, oh, she has this or she has that, not that like, oh, she is crazy. Crazy. Like she's needs to be in the loony bin or, you know, uh-huh. and I think the biggest part that's changing is medication. And as the medication gets better, the illnesses get better. Yeah. And I think that that continues to improve. Um, I hope that one day I'll be able to replace my Zyprexa because of the side effects that are so terrible about it. But And find one that works just as well for me. Um, Uh I'm hopeful of that. I think that there's a lot more research being done. I did a few, I was a volunteer in a few studies um, about bipolar disorder. And so people have an interest in learning about it. Uh They're starting to, they're starting to. do research and finding different gene expressions and things that contribute to bipolar disorder, that it's not just a, you know, environmental issue or something that there's a genetic component to it. And my kids are IVF babies and we had our embryos genetically tested. Um, and we had our genes tested too, to make sure, um, that we both weren't carriers for something like, you know, cystic fibrosis or something like that, Uh then that way they could, you know, if they're let's pretend we had that. And then if there was an embryo that had that, they could, you know, not use that embryo. And if they were able to do that with something about bipolar disorder, how wonderful that would be that not that everybody should do IVF or anything like that, but it would be an, if that was an option for me to say like, okay, I have bipolar disorder, we can test these embryos and make sure that they don't have bipolar disorder. I don't know if that's like too like science fiction or something, but I mean, I think that would be.
0: Yeah. In the future. Who knows?
1: Yeah. I mean, of course I would do that. Like what a hard, hard life, you know, to have bipolar disorder and to, to have that insurance that you wouldn't be passing that along would be really um, comforting to me. Uh
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, would you say like kind of insurance we're not really in a good place in America with our medicine system for bipolar?
1: Oh my gosh, insurance, oh my gosh. So Zyprexa, this medicine I keep talking about that I have the love-hate relationship uh-huh. with. Um, the I take generic for pretty much all of my medications and it's fine, but the Zyprexa, the generic medication makes me crazy. Like it, it doesn't agree with me. I get, um, how do you pronounce it? Echostesia is like, I probably didn't pronounce it right. We'll have to Uh Google how to say it or whatever, but, um, it is the worst feeling. It is like, there is something in your body, like that's so restless. You can't, it's, it's been going like it was first documented like hundreds of years ago and people would commit suicide over it because it's so horrible they couldn't make it go away it's like everything in your body is like you can't stand you can't sit you can't like you're just like in misery anyways it did that to me and um so my insurance company doesn't want to pay for zyprexa because it's expensive brands uh-huh. so ever tell me well, um, you can't take, we're not going to cover this, but you could take, and you don't like that one, but you could take this medicine instead. It's similar. And it's like, no, I want to take the medicine my doctor has decided I should take, not some list yeah. that you have next to your computer of medicines that are similar that you can take. So my insurance refused to cover brand Zyprexa and without Zyprexa, I'm a crazy person. So we did this little loop de whereas Zyprexa came in an injectable form called RELPREV. Since there was no generic to RELPREV, I was able to get brand Zyprexa. The only problem was I had to go in and get an injection every two weeks, and then you have to stay there for three hours after your injection before you can leave. Um, So I was spending six hours in the waiting room a month, which was fine. I read books and stuff. It was kind of interesting. But anyways, that's uh-huh. before I had kids. Um, it's not exactly a convenient thing to have to do. Yeah, of um, course not. But it was the only way I could get my Zipraxia. And I, I even wrote this like really heartfelt letter to my insurance company and my sister sells insurance. She's like, they're not going to read that. I'm like, I know, but it just yeah. explains, you know, and it's terrible and they don't care if They don't care if you need the medicine. They, you know, I mean, it's, it's very, and I'm always battling them about something. Um, They, my doctor, I don't have any out of network coverage and my doctor doesn't take insurance because, you know, of course. Um, um, So for a while I was able to get him to be an in-network doctor because of the shots there was nobody within a 20 mile radius who did the shot except for him. So that's how I got him to, I mean, there's just all these little games and it's yeah. really and it's frustrating. Um, I don't know if that will change, you know, will insurance get better?
0: Yeah, exactly. I'm not
1: hopeful of that, but I am hopeful for the future of bipolar disorder patients.
0: Yeah. So I think we're going to wrap it up, but I just want to ask sure. one more question on yeah. like, What's something that you would want to tell either like yourself when you first found out and now you have all the experience, or tell just yes. someone who just is dealing with this?
1: Yes. I would tell them find a doctor and take your medicine.
0: Uh huh. Most important thing.
1: Just take your medicine because bipolar disorder is a biology problem. And when you fix your biology, I mean, of course, you have all of the areas of dealing with all this in your life, you know, the consequences of this, the that, the whatnot. But until your biology is fixed, you Mm -hmm. can't even work on that other stuff. Just take your pills, take your pills, take your pills. You take your pills, then you can be in the right frame of mind where you can work on getting skills to cope um, you know, different kinds of tools of ways you can do the ways you can get around and navigate the world better and all that great stuff you can do in therapy and learn about yourself and your illness and how to live a better life with it. But you can't do that work if you're manic or if you're depressed or if you're mixed, you have to take your medicine, keep that under control. You got to shut down those manias Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: you just, and, uh, just gotta take your medicine. I mean, that's the best yeah. that we have right now. 2021. What's the best thing you can do for bipolar disorder is take your medicine.
0: Thank you for that. <laughs> and this was a pleasure. Yeah, I really okay. learned a lot. And I hope everyone listening and watching learns. Yeah. And we'll end it on the final note of taking your meds.
1: Take your meds. Yeah. There we go.
0: <laughs> Thank you again. Okay, thanks so much. Yeah, of course. Bye. Have a good one.